Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and joining me today is Kat Griffiths, a fangirl of the highest order, mm-hmm. who's channeling her passion for music into a new podcast called Start the Music. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Seen and Heard in Edmonton is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and you are going to hear more about that later in the show, along with a message about our other sponsor, the Edmonton Community Foundation. So, Kat, tell me about Start the Music. Well, Start the Music is an all-genre podcast, um, although... It's not really. (laughs) It started as an all-genre podcast, but now it kind of has evolved into mostly punk music, um, alternative, and a a bit of country here and there, you know, folk, that kind of thing. Um, But I haven't really dabbled into blues too much or jazz or those kind of subsets. Hip-hop, not your thing. I just can't, I don't know hip-hop, and I can't, find the connections to get people on to, talk, to like to talk about hip-hop so yeah so it started as an all-genre podcast um just because I didn't hear women talking about music and I definitely didn't hear people that weren't already in bands talking about music um so I thought hey a fangirl could do this yeah yeah so yeah and, and what's the format the format is um we <laughs> I always say we. I'm so used to recording with other people. Yeah, we're talking about that in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> that it's me, just me. Yeah. I um, usually play two or three songs and then have an interview and then finish it off with a song by either that person or that they've chosen. Right. So, like you mentioned, and last time we had you on this podcast, it was because you were one-sixth of the Doctor Who podcast, Verity. Mm-hmm. And uh, now you're doing a solo podcast. So these seem like extremely different projects. Do you think they're extremely different? They're very, very different. And it's, I mean, Verity is like raising a baby with five other people. Mm -hmm. And everybody contributes and everybody helps out. Um, But you naturally have people that just want to do more and naturally end up doing more or editing or whatever the task may be. Whereas Start the Music is my baby. Everything about that podcast is me. Yeah. I've got me written all over it. So I, I sometimes have to kind of push myself to say, Start the Music is more important. It's, it's mine. It's all mine. So it's still young. But how do you... So is that a struggle to sort of parcel out your time and what get how much energy and effort and time goes to one or the other? Well, I, I'm actually part of three podcasts. Oh, what's the other one? <laughs> the other one is um, Doctor Who's Line Is It Anyway. It's oh. a Doctor Who <laughs> improv uh, podcast that I do with a bunch of other people from all over the world. Wow. Um, so that is like recording one day a week. And um, I don't edit. I don't do any of that part. I put the episode up online. Okay. Um, that's it. So that's my least... Like, I don't really do much of anything for that podcast. Right. And then Verity, we schedule out all our recordings as long as I show up. I show up, I give my voice, I promote it. That's all I do. And then start the music is every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's obtaining all the interviews takes the most time. Sitting down, doing the interviews takes a lot of time. Editing takes in a substantial amount of time. <laughs> um, and then just trying to get into a rhythm where yeah. I can get podcasts out every 
two weeks. Yeah. So did it surprise you how much, I mean, you had observed how much work it was with your other podcasts, but did it surprise you how much a solo one was going to be? Probably a little bit. I think I I knew how much, and I know that solo podcasts aren't popular for a reason. Mm. People don't like listening to just one person talk. That's why I added the interview in, was to give people a break from my voice, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize how much, like a Tuesday will come by, and I'm like, oh, I still have till next week to put the podcast out. No, it goes out in two days. Okay, so I've got to do seven days of work in a day, yeah. essentially. And I had no idea how much time editing can take even with just two people, um, when I also give the people the opportunity to tell me what to edit. So okay. if they say something they shouldn't have said, they have the opportunity to tell me. I haven't had anyone take me up on it yet. Um, but there's always, you know, the little, oh, I swore I really shouldn't have sworn. My mother's going to hear this. Can you take that swear out from, I don't really remember where it is, but, yeah, and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. um, Also, with a music podcast, you're often, in, and with yours, you're often interviewing people remotely, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got technical hurdles to overcome sometimes, although Verity is, you guys are all over the world too, but but you have to make sure that's working, right? Yeah. Um, with Verity, thankfully, we have, it's six people that all have enough computer skills to record their own end. Um, most of the people that I interview, I'm calling, I'm calling from Skype to their phone. And then I have a program that records both ends of the call. Um, but these people often don't remember that they're being recorded. So they don't think about when they move their phone around or that kind of thing. Or sometimes they want to use Skype, but they don't know how to use Skype. So I then have to go through and explain how <laughs> Skype works. And even then, they're still not recording their own end. I'm recording it. Yeah, So yeah. Just for the people who tune into this podcast for the how-to, what's the program you use to record? I use Call Recorder. And that's the standard one yeah. that people use with Skype. Yeah, It's nice because you can set it up and it'll start recording automatically. So how do you... The, the other thing is finding the people to talk to and getting them to talk to you. So how, what's that process like? How do you find the bands? It's a lot of cold emailing and... Fingers crossed this never changes, but I have never had a band turn me down. Nice. I've had one band not respond to me, but I've never had a band say no. Fingers crossed that doesn't change. Um, <laughs> but I, a lot of the bands are either bands I've seen that have opened for bigger bands. They're bands that are connected to bigger bands somehow. Um, some, I just, I like their stuff. I email them to say, can I use one of your songs on my podcast and they say yeah and I say hey you seem really cool can I also interview at the same time and they're like oh yeah sure you know publicity any publicity is good publicity Um, and then sometimes because I'm not restricted to just bands I do talk to uh, sound engineers and people in the industry essentially if you're in the industry on stage or off stage then I want to talk to you kind of thing yeah Um, so sometimes I'll be listening to a Green Day record and or actually a Blink-182 record and I looked and saw the sound engineer was Christopher Holmes so I was like hmm but I can find him so I looked on Twitter looked on the website found his contact information and just said okay I'll send him an email I sent him an email and I said there's probably no hope that you're actually going to agree to this but um, and he did 
I remember that episode and I really liked it because I, I would otherwise never hear a guy like that talk about his work and he's got this like vast experience and, and he knows all these famous people and mm-hmm. it's got, like really interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I'd love to have more um, there's been a couple sound engineers here in Edmonton that I want to record and we've talked about it. I've been on their podcast. I'm just waiting to get them online. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. That's very cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, is it logistically difficult to get everybody to spend time and find time for you? Um, again, hopefully it doesn't change, but no, because Good. yeah, I'll, I haven't been approaching big bands. I've been up till now with the exception of one person. I haven't had to deal with a manager. I deal with them directly. Um, and then one person I dealt with their press agent because they were directing a movie. So they had to... Figure out the way to, to get around all that, yeah. Well, they had to parse his time out. Yeah. I yeah. guess is the best way to put it. So I guess that speaks to, to the kinds of people that you want to talk to that you tend to talk to on Start the Music. You're not trying to get Beyonce, right? Like you, you're... there. People are at a, a level of success where they've... they're successful enough to be working all the time but there's not a lot of middlemen between you and them I'd I'd love to someday um, like interviewing Green Day is a a big goal for me interviewing Blink-182 is a big goal for me Um, and then there's a lot of other punk bands that are big to me that really aren't big to other people that I would love to interview Um, but for right now it's kind of focusing on you know, if you're a big fan of this big band, like if you're a big fan of Beyonce, why aren't you listening to these other bands that are just as good that mm-hmm. just don't have, they just never made it. They just never got that start that she got. Yeah, yeah. How do you prepare for an interview? Um, listening to their albums, if they're a band. If they're not a band, then listening to whatever they've made or stuff like that. Um, and documentaries, reading, I I like to be the most informed person about them other than themselves. Right. Um, One of the people that I interviewed, his movie hasn't come here yet. So I had to interview him without actually having seen the movie that I'm interviewing about, which was fun. Um, And I still haven't seen it. (laughs) but, uh, but, But generally, I try to get as much information as I possibly can. Does that pose its own problems when it comes to the question... Um, to the interview process where you actually are bursting with curiosity but maybe you have to like set up a lot of that stuff for your audience who hasn't done all of that research oh yeah anyone who listens to my podcast knows exactly (laughs) the problems (laughs) I'm not gonna that's that's not a critique (laughs) it's just saying like (laughs) sometimes that that can be a thing right yeah yeah and I I liked, I, I want all my conversations to be informal conversations. I've said probably on every single episode, either off air, on air, I'm not TMZ. I don't care about like the gossip stuff, but I want it to feel informal and I don't want it to be your typical, oh, you're part of this band. When did this band start? And those basic information, you could get that on Wikipedia. Right. I, don't, I don't care about that. But at the same time, I do so much preparing that sometimes I'm like, oh, right general public has no idea what I'm talking about <laughs> or thankfully the band will be like yep and they'll fill in the gap that I've left <laughs> which makes me feel horrible I think it should make you feel good <laughs> <laughs> okay I have more questions for you but first let's take a break for a word from our sponsors 
This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation, which acts as a bridge between donors and charities to help create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. Applications are now open for Vital Signs grants. This is a grant program that the uh, Edmonton Community Foundation runs based on its annual Vital Signs report, which takes the temperature of our community and looks for areas that an injection of funding could help improve. This year's Vital Signs report focused on social inclusion and found that only 29% of Albertans feel a sense of belonging to their community. And that was the lowest rate in Canada. So this year's grant program is looking for initiatives that increase the sense of belonging to community, particularly for those who are at high risk of social isolation, people who are living in poverty, new Canadians, indigenous people, people with disabilities, seniors, and LGBTQ people. The first deadline for applications is January 15th, 2018. You can find out more at ecfoundation.org. And you can also always hear about the ECF's granting programs at the end of episodes of the Well Endowed Podcast, which can be found at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Just a couple of notes before we proceed with the next part of this interview. It looks like the power of a SOCAN license to allow you to play music on your podcast may be even less certain than we suggest in the conversation that follows. I've been looking into it, and what Kat says about podcasting being in a gray area is definitely true. There's not very much clarity on the extent to which a SOCAN license covers a downloadable podcast, which is why a streaming service like Mixcloud is worth considering if that's what you want to do. So anyway, tread carefully, and I'll link to some resources in the show notes at seenandheardyake.com. You'll also hear that we mentioned the Needle Vinyl Tavern as a live music venue in Edmonton. It is, of course, now closed since November of 2017 because of a sexual harassment scandal. So that part is out of date, but everything else is uh, useful and interesting. So enjoy the rest of our conversation. Um, Okay, so we're back with Kat. Music on podcasts is tricky, right? So what have you done to keep yourself out of copyright trouble? Good old SoCan. I'm a member of SoCan. Um, I I've looked into other avenues as well because I know when you had um, the guy from Cups and Cakes on mm-hmm, Jeff McCallum. Um, yeah. I looked into the the site that he had mentioned, Mixcloud. I think it's called mm-hmm. it. Mi- Mix something. Um, Mixcloud. Yeah. Yeah. And someday I'll be on there and I'll actually get around doing that. Um, but from what I've seen, the majority of my bands aren't on labels. Right. Um, or, you know, they are the ones that produce the music kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they're more than happy to let me use it. Other than that, I I have SoCan, so I pay into them. And because I'm a small podcast that plays three songs a podcast, it's extremely affordable for me to just stick with SoCan. Yeah, we'll link to the uh, in the show notes to where you can find um, information on all the different SoCan licenses because it is tiered, right, for how much... How much you play, how much you make, and all that. Yeah, if because I don't make any money on the podcast, I don't make, not even to cover my own expenses, I pay for everything out of pocket. Um, I pay a very reduced rate anyway. Um, and then on top of that, I don't have that high of a download number. And then on top of that, SoCan still hasn't figured out what a podcast is. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a weird gray area, And right? I'm quite happy that, to leave it that way. <laughs> don't anybody tell them. Um, so that, it, that took me like probably a week just to get my license from SoCan because they had no idea what to put me under. 
Wow. I was this weird kind of nether because I didn't make music and I wasn't profiting off of this and people could download episodes that had music on them but they couldn't pick out the individual songs and I don't know it's very confusing to them which is strange because this is not exactly a new phenomenon right yeah exactly. (laughs) (laughs) but anyway you have a license you have a badge on your on your website and it sounds like you also ask in like ask for permission from the bands that you play as well yeah as many as many as I can of Mm -hmm. of all the stuff I've there's maybe one um, and even the the Blink One Eighty Two song that I put on one of the podcasts, um, Blink One Eighty Two is is aware that I used it. And Christopher Holmes actually went to them and said, "Hey, is it okay if she uses the song?" And they couldn't legally tell me yes because one member of Blink One Eighty Two isn't with the band anymore, oh. and he still owns a small portion of that song. So they couldn't give me a blanket. Yes, it's good. Right. But I have SoCan. So, but there's only like been two songs that I haven't gotten explicit permission. Yeah, that's the other complicated factor with music is it's not just the um, the the writers or the singers; it's like everybody involved, in the composers, the yeah. and it's like a four tier, yeah, like dribble down kind of effect. Which, as creators, right, we have to respect that. Like we want these guys to get paid, and and they haven't got like their their ability to monetize their music has become diminished with time as well. Yeah, and when you have someone playing a song and it might get played four times that year, you know, how do you properly compensate them compared to somebody who gets played 6 million times in one, you know, in one year? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're literally giving them like fractions of pennies. Yeah. You no. Know? compared to the the relative benefit of somebody hearing them on your podcast and then maybe buying their stuff, maybe following them on Spotify, maybe going to their show when they come to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, I mean, I'm a big proponent of if you don't hear the music, you're not going to go and buy their stuff. So they make their money from shows. Go, you know, I don't care if you don't like the opening act, go and listen to them. So somebody's favorite act was once an opening act. Yeah. You go. You must go to a lot of shows too. Do you? I wish I went to more, um, but I, I tend to go to bigger like shows at Union Hall and and Shaw Conference Center. And I don't go to Rogers Place or to the big. They're just the stadium stuff is just too too big. I need to be up close to the band. Yeah. So I find I, I haven't. I don't go. I'm like an old lady, but. Um, it seems like in Edmonton, we went through a period where there was a lot of um, panic about the disappearance of a lot of small venues, and then a whole bunch kind of rose up from the ashes. So it seems like we have a bit of a resurgence again of places for smaller bands to play. I would argue that's not true. No? Um, because like we, we have places like The Needle, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing, and they're doing amazing work. Um, please keep doing that. But we... We don't have places on White Ave that we used to have, and we don't have Wonder Bar anymore. We don't have the pawn shop, which guts me to this day every single day of my life. I miss that place so much. <laughs> um, we don't have those kind of smaller venues. We have Union Hall, which is smallish. Um, we have Shaw, which is bigish. Mm-hmm. But we don't have anything kind of the punk club size where bands, um, I guess we have Wonderlust, Wonderlust, whatever it's called. There's a, I don't know, there's a place not far from here. Right. Um, you can get smaller stage shows, but there's nowhere for beginning bands to kind of cut their teeth. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
if anybody's listening <laughs> feels crazy and entrepreneurial and also wants to lose a lot of money. <laughs> if you like music, don't open a venue. No, Just, that's the, the way I it guess. goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what role do you think podcasting might play in replacing what's being lost as traditional music coverage disappears with the erosion of mainstream media and all weeklies? Well, it, it dawned on me actually when I was doing an interview today that we don't have shows like The Wedge on Much Music anymore. Oh, I love that show so much. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the niche that I want my podcast to sit in is this kind of, you know that I play weird and kind of alternative songs and punk songs and you can come there and just kind of dip your toe in the water. There's no big commitment like sitting through an hour long radio show might yeah, be kind no, of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it helps... You know, you can listen to 20 podcasts in a day. It's not like a TV show where you can't watch other things. So I think podcasting kind of helps shove in as many views, different views as possible without overwhelming a person Mm -hmm. and kind of letting them experience all those different views without having to kind of subscribe to one particular viewpoint and, and eliminate all the rest. Yeah, I think that's true. If you wanted to listen to... Um, sort of independent music podcasts. There's a whole bunch you could choose from and, and it's only three minutes that you have to sit through something and you can fast forward if it's not your thing. Right? Yeah, and I'll be I'll be frank and say that I do have a weird thing on my podcast that I don't I don't talk about genre. I try not to talk about genre. So I will play a song and not tell you what genre it is because as soon as I say it's country, a certain section is going to be like, nope, yeah, skip past that. And if I don't tell them, then they either have to skip past it and wonder or try to guess by the show notes um, or just sit through it and say, yep, I listened to a four-minute long country song and I didn't like it, but now I know. I, I feel like you're actually have an important, like what you're doing there is counteracting a little bit of the extreme categorization that digital streaming does like Spotify looks at what you've listened to and decides what else you would like to listen to and in some ways it can lead to discovery but some ways it can kind of put up a wall between you and something you didn't know you would like it's kind of like taking the same road every day to work (laughs) and until someone puts up that detour because they're doing construction you're going to keep taking that one road you're going to pass by the same coffee shop the same bookstore you know, that's just what you're going to do. So I like to think that I'm kind of putting up those detours and not telling you how long that detour is going to take, but you're going to have to sit through it. (laughs) Uh, I want to bring it back to Doctor Who for a second with a couple more questions. So your partner, Chris, is Mm -hmm. one of the trio that is on Radio Free Scarrow, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest Doctor Who podcasts in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you guys ever considered doing a podcast together? We've talked about it but neither one of us has something that we're strong enough opinionated about or something like that that we could sit down and if we both had a a thing and we both thought oh man we really need to podcast this then we would but neither one of us has a a thing to kind of sit and just marathon either like (laughs) marathoning something or like we we would need a good topic yeah really good topic do you have to um parcel out your time in your house for who's podcasting at any given time we do do. Um, and we have we have recorded together as guests on shows Um, but no we have a an iCal we have a calendar that I have to put in when I record and he puts in when he's recording and it's always fun when I get a last minute guest it's like oh yeah I can record tomorrow and I'm like um 
okay. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, all right, sweetie. I'm staying, I'm staying home from work <laughs> because <laughs> you're recording that night. <laughs> um, and then I also wanted to know if there's anything that you've learned from Verity that is helping you with Start the Music. Um, well, my, my co-host, Deb, when I originally thought of the podcast idea, I had put on Twitter... I have this great idea for a podcast, but I shouldn't do it yet because I don't have enough knowledge uh, about music to do it. And uh, Deb came on and said, if you were a white guy, you would have already started the podcast by now. (laughs) I'm like, oh, Deb, you're right. Okay, I'll make it. I'll start it. (laughs) And then within an hour, I had a name. I had uh, artwork. I had like a uh, podcast page. That's awesome. So yeah, I just kind of threw myself into the into the deep end paid for artwork and yeah that's very cool that's <laughs> good advice deb right mm-hmm. we just must start there's only that's the only way to go right you can't get to episode 15 without episode one yeah yeah it's, it's exactly that and i probably would still be like well i don't know enough about xyz genre to to get by yeah so what's next for start the music um well I have an episode going out this week that features John Roker, who that name probably means nothing to a lot of people. (laughs) Um, But to people who are Green Day fans, he put out a documentary called Heart Like a Hand Grenade, Mm. and it profiles them coming out with American Idiot, probably their biggest, best-known album. Um, So he's the kind of the person behind that. He's also a person behind one of their network. uh, They have a band called The Network, which was supposed to be, no one was supposed to know it was Green Day, but now everyone knows. Yeah. Um, He did a concert DVD for them, and he also did a a stop motion um, claymation kind of film done with all musicians as the voice actors. Wow. Called Live Freaky, Die Freaky, and it's about uh, Charles Manson. Huh. And the whole Charles Manson family and the cult. And it, it, it makes Team America look like G-rated. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to watch it. But <laughs> <laughs> so he is a very opinionated, very cool guy um, in LA. And uh, with some very strong opinion on a lot of things. Um, so it, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see the react- people's reactions. That does sound good. Okay, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to hear about any local podcast, blogs, or other independent media that Kat recommends. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by ATB Financial, founding sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network. One of the many interesting things that ATB has been getting up to lately is called the Branch for Arts and Culture. It's a clubhouse, an arts venue, and a financial institution for Albertan creatives and cultural workers. And it's run by people who are, who are artists themselves, so they know the specific challenges that artists face around uh, money and managing it and finding more and reaching more people and all of those things. Members not only have access to the full range of banking services that ATB provides, but also opportunities to network, to play music, and to display art, there's just a whole bunch of things that are available there that help demonstrate how ATB is more than a bank. You can find more about uh, you can find out more about the branch for arts and culture at atb.com/thebranch. 
Okay, Kat, so what local podcasts or blogs or anything like that do you recommend people check out? Well, thanks to this, I actually looked into <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that um, is my secret mission. Not because I don't like I don't think there's anything good, but just because I don't listen to podcasts right now. I don't listen to my own, let alone <laughs> other people's. Um but I did start listening to one and I'm probably gonna keep listening to it. Um it's called The Teardown. Ah. I I recently uh, interviewed Caleb Caswell from The Teardown. That was a, a few episodes ago. So it's it's very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Um I'm right now listening. He's got a two parter with one of the punk uh, punk artist that's had to deal with addiction and all that kind of stuff. So very up my alley. Um, and then the other thing was, and I, I'm pretty sure it's independent. I've looked into it. I thought it was a, like a big name thing, um, but gigcity.ca. Right, yeah. Um, does concerts, does reviews, um, does very, like not just does reviews, but does reviews in a way that appeals to pe- appeal to people like me. Um like they were talking about like Tegan and Sarah bringing the queer agenda to to Edmonton mm. and, and that kind of thing like mm-hmm. kind of reaching out to your typical again I keep using this but like your typical white guy newspaper that it's like this is the this is the standard view I'm doing air quotes that you can't see <laughs> um, this is the standard view and is it good is it bad that's it whereas they actually get really into the nitty gritty kind of about yeah. bands yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, Gig City is started by uh, Mike Ross, I think, is his name. I should know that. Um, it is, it's Mike Ross. <laughs> Mike Ross, yeah. He used to work at The Sun, and and then he left The Sun, and he started his own thing, and he, he's really filling some important gaps in uh, local culture coverage, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to uh, hijack some of your recommendation time and recommend your blog, <laughs> By all means. <laughs> because uh, if you go to Zanister, which is X-A-N-I-S-T-E-R dot WordPress dot com, you'll get um, Kat's blog, which is called, what's it called? I don't know what it's called right Pondering now. Pondering Fandoms. Pondering Fandoms. Okay, because I keep changing it. Yeah. It's got to have the word fandom somewhere or fangirling in it. Yeah, but... I, I loved how you brought your two worlds, your two, two podcast worlds together in your most recent uh, blog post where you talked about representation and what it means to have um, a female doctor in Doctor Who coming on and, and your quest to find a female bass player that you can emulate. Yeah, it's that blog post just kind of came to me and I was like, no one's going to read this. This is... This is purely for me. This is for no one else. And I had been struggling with this concept of of not accepting a female doctor and kind of why don't I accept it and why doesn't it stick with me? And then I'd gone to a concert and I'd seen um, Bleached, the band Bleached, who are amazing. Um, they have a female bass player. And my big thing lately has been I want a female bass player that plays well, that moves around the stage and doesn't just stand still. Um, preferably, and this is just me, um, has a physique at least a little bit similar to mine, isn't like, doesn't have a very boyish physique Mm -hmm. because I'm like, where do you put the bass strap? (laughs) I need to figure this out and I need to see it on a real world model. (laughs) So um, that was my big thing. And I found it essentially, one of them. And then when I talked to her afterwards, she was very sweet. And uh, she was like, oh yeah, she's like, here's all my recommendations and here's the songs you should be learning to play. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, I, I I just liked how you put all that stuff together and I'm going to recommend it to our listeners. 
my final thing is what advice do you have for someone who's interested in starting a solo podcast really think about how much you like the sound of your own voice I still hate the sound of my own voice <laughs> I really do I editing to me is torture like I uh, you know you get when you have supposedly when you have a kid and you deal with all the like sleepless nights it's supposed to be worth it when they get older mm-hmm. that's editing to me <laughs> that is editing to me and I just oh um, but no think about how much you like hearing your own voice think about how much you have to say about things um, and really think about what your viewpoint is and then stick to it I I started off saying I'm going to be not like a shock jock, but I'm not going to be afraid to say what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of diverted from that and I started getting really safe and I started getting really, uh, I'm still really apologetic. I'm naturally apologetic about everything I do. Um, but it's, I'm going back to, you know, if I, have a, if, I, if I have a gay band on and they use certain words, I'm not going to edit them out. Right. Um, and kind of making the guests feel comfortable that I'm not going to edit them down to a PG level. I have an explicit tag for a reason. There is swearing. There is rude quote-unquote content. Um, But I've developed kind of a standard that as long as you don't go over that standard, um, actually stolen from one of the punk clubs in San Francisco, um, 924 Gilman Street, has a big sign when you first walk in that says no transphobia, no homophobia, no racism, um, everyone is accepted here. So when I talk to a guest, I say, that's what your, your thing is. You can, you can say whatever you want. I'm not going to interrupt you and correct you, but it's going to get edited out. That's your, your baseline. So you have to be willing to stick to your guns because if, if you think that your viewpoint is something unique to the world, then you can't water it down. Like you have to give them the concentrated version <laughs> in order to get people to listen to you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. You can subscribe to Start the Music in Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and you can find it on Kat's website at stmpodcast.com. The show is at Start Music Pod on Twitter, and Kat's on Twitter at Zanister, which is X-A-N-I-S-T-E-R, and the show's on Facebook, right? Uh, yep, STM yep. Podcast. STM Podcast. All these, you're not going to remember that, but that's okay because all <laughs> these links and Kat's recommendations and my extra recommendation are going to be in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. You can find Seen and Heard in Edmonton and the other members of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Some of our shows are on G Radio uh, at 6 p.m. every night, so you can listen live at gradio.ca. And Alberta Podcast Network shows are also available on CKUA's app. So you can download that for iOS or Android and check the More tab to sample the network. Many thanks to Castria for helping me produce this podcast, and you can find out how they can help you at wearecastria.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.